Haters are going to hate. to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and the algorithms have brought us together today to talk enemies, how to love them, and why we even should. Barry's here to tell us what Jesus said about this, but before we slap each other on the cheek, now that they're looking for credit only for loving those who do good to them, let's welcome in our favorite masochist standing in the way of my well-being, Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. Good day. Someone paid attention to the sermon. Did you call it Between Sundays? <laughs> or not usually you say what between is between Sundays but you said between between <laughs> guys betwixt Sundays I don't need this from you today everything's off I know we're all Barry's preaching all from the house things. we are hard pressed on every side Barry's preaching from the house who knows <laughs> when we're going to be back in the room at Grace yeah everything's just different now so everything is off between yeah. between <laughs> henceforth <laughs> Between. Between. Guys, I brewed my coffee this morning and forgot to put a K cup in the machine. Oh, and just so you got a down hot at this, cup like, of water. Dirty, hot <laughs> cup of dirty looking water. That's how off things are today. Yeah. Very, so, what was the time that you like put a candle in the K cup thing or something? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah you sent us what, a video. What, what, what did you okay. do? <laughs> oh, no. oh, did you try to light your coffee on fire? <laughs> my coffee on fire. <laughs> I'm, I'm really melting down here guys yeah, yeah well yeah I, I i think i wanted to light a candle and for some reason i was on autopilot that day and my mm. body carried me across the kitchen with a lighter and i went to like light the inside of my coffee mug thinking it was a candle i don't know yeah, yeah. it's one of those really it's one of those me. weeks for all of us i yeah. think yeah um uh well we're a week away from thanksgiving yeah thank or, yeah. or uh thanksgiving Oh, Thanksgiving. <laughs> Sorry, man. I didn't mean to put doubt about your pronunciation. Uh, so uh, I know I'm taking the week off, Barry. You're I'm also taking- trying to take the week off. Yeah, that's my plan. Right. So we've got a lot crammed into this week. And so it's just uh, we're, do- we're doing this at a different time of day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're going to we're going we're gonna to get through it, guys. We're all here oh. together. Um, all right. Instead of hearing what's new with you guys. Yeah. I want to talk about I want to talk about. What why hasn't Barry? changed? Oh, no, well, go ahead. <laughs> all right. So if if you did not listen to services or participate in services this past weekend, a lot's changing. And I want to talk yeah. quickly about what's going on from now to the end of the year, just to to just talk about it, why we why we're taking the path we're taking, and then jump into the sermon and then um yeah. But I thought it'd be important to to talk about what's going on. So Barry uh came to us. Uh, awaiting a COVID test this yeah. weekend. Still um, waiting, actually. We're recording this on Monday around lunchtime, and I'm still waiting for this test to come back. So I'm just curious, have all three of us now been tested? I've never been tested. This was my okay. second test, actually. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Probably for the same thing. I I like on Thursday night, I was feeling really cruddy, and on Friday morning, same. And I have this like recurring sinus infection type thing that I seem to get once or twice a year. And like, normally I would just be like, eh, it's just a sinus thing. I'll get over it in 24 hours. But like literally here are the symptoms. Uh, it felt like asthma in my lungs. So like shortness of breath, I feel a chill uh, in the air, moderate fever, muscle fatigue and congestion. And I was like, okay, well, those are 
all listed as COVID symptoms. So not about to go breathe on people right now. So I, I measure my health by when I don't have muscle fatigue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you do a lot of active things with yeah. your life. So. <laughs> so, all right. So we knew on Friday, Barry's yeah. going through this. It, the One of the worst things about what we're dealing with as a hu- human race right now is like anything, it could be like, uh, I have a headache. Well, just in case, might want to quarantine because it might right. be COVID. Yeah. Marin had allergies, but just in case, got a quarantine, might be COVID. Barry, sinus infection, just in case, yeah. got a quarantine, might be COVID. Well, so we never know. There's just, a, there's just a guessing game with all this stuff. Until, I had been in close contact with somebody who had tested positive. So it was more than just the allergies, just yeah. for, for the record. Yeah. But heaven yeah. forbid I ask you how you're doing. Heaven forbid it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a weird time. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's one of those where you have to wrestle with often like, well, what's the harm? And then you're like, well, the potential harm is that I spread the disease yeah. and keep a pandemic going longer than it needs to. So it's like, uh, what's the, yeah. So I, all that to say, I recorded my message and the announcement for the weekend from home, which was hectic Saturday, trying to get those videos done and then mm-hmm. edited and then uploaded and then sent over and the upload wasn't working. And I was trying to get them to the production team and they want them in a specific format, you know, Heaven forbid I don't send it in the H.264 format. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) It's a bummer that we haven't had like 10 months to practice this. (laughs) Hey, actually, no, the the reality is the whole thing was done. It was way easy for me to do, relatively speaking, because I had everything set up. I do a lot of videos from home. It was really not that hard. I just had never done a full 30 minute sermon before. So that was was a twist. So another thing that's different yeah. is uh, we made the decision as as a church to suspend live worship gatherings from now until the end of the year. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Barry, do you mind sharing just a couple of things that what, similar to what you shared in your video? Yeah, for, for sure. Anyone who hasn't, for hasn't sure. seen it yet. And I'll start with just saying, I mean, and Tyler, you were part of the decision making process, but this is an awful decision, right? They're looking at the realities of what we're facing. It, there are just no good decisions. Every decision is a bad decision because what we're facing right now is in, in our um state and even in our, our own district, the, the counties, Hamilton County and the surrounding counties. I mean, the, um, the deaths, the hospitalizations, the, uh, positivity rate, everything's just going up, 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 up and, um, seemingly out of control. And also this past week, the governor, uh, issued some new guidelines. Fishers issued some new guidelines. Marion County issued some new guidelines. So it's just it, all of a sudden it, it forced us to say, okay, Let's talk about our situation. And here's really what it boiled down to. Um, You know, I mean, we didn't, I didn't talk about this this weekend, but we've got a lot of, it's just really hard to ensure that we're doing things in a safe way. We've had people, you know, come to Grace Kids or student ministries, and then the next day they get tested and find out that they're positive. And so then mm-hmm. we have to tell everybody in that group, hey, you need to go home and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and we've done our best to, to have really, I, I think, really effective, um, you know, protocols in place and masks and all that. But um, the reality is with things going so so high, so fast. Uh, we just didn't feel, first of all, that we could really guarantee or even ensure that we were doing things in a safe way to gather. But, but probably more importantly, 
um, you know, we, we know there's a religious exemption. I mean, religious organizations can continue to meet, um, but looking at what our society is going through and what our community is going through, it is a crisis moment. And it, it, for me, well, for us as a lead team, it just, it feels like this is a time for us to be leading the way. Like the church should be leading the way in, in protecting our community. Um, and you know, we need to take responsibility to, to stop the spread of the, stop the spread of the virus. And this is a part of that. It is a sacrifice. I mean, shoot, sitting at home, watching worship is just not the same as being in, in person, worshiping with other people. Uh, but this is a sacrifice that, that we believe we need to make to help our community, to love our neighbors and, um, it's really, and this is a common misconception. It's really not about, you know, worrying that, that every individual who comes into our building might get sick and have a really severe case. Cause I mean, un undoubtedly most people who are in the really high risk demographic, they're not coming into our buildings right now. They're watching online. Um, what it really is about is we don't want the virus to be spread among our people who then go out into their community and continue to spread it further. We don't want to be a part of that. We want to be a part of the solution because we think that's what it means to follow Jesus. So anyway, that, that was some of the thinking behind it. But again, like I said, every, every decision in front of us was a bad one. Staying open is a bad decision. Closing is a bad decision. There's just, there's nothing, there's no perfect solution. And the responses that I've already started to get from this decision have, have borne that out. I literally, if you look at my email inbox right now, mm -hmm. there is an email from one person saying, thank you. That was the right decision. We really support it. Um, we're so glad Grace is taking the lead in this. The next email is saying, please reconsider. This is devastating to me and my family. Please reconsider. And the next email says, we are so grateful for your decision and how you guys are leading this. And mm -hmm. the next one says, please, would you, would you consider a different approach? approach. And it's, so we're all over the map and we did our, we're doing our best. And yeah, I don't know, Tyler, you were, I mean, you were a part yeah. of those decisions. Why don't you tell, what were you, what are you thinking about it all? Well, I have, I, like Barry said, it, it, nobody wants the pandemic to shut the building down. Nobody wants that. Yeah. I don't want that. Barry doesn't want that. Nobody wants that to happen. Nobody wants, nobody wants to not see their, parents or their grandparents or whatever. Like it's a bad, it's a bad situation that we're all, we all find ourselves in. Uh, and having been in the room to talk about this as a leadership team, um, I can 100% say that zero conversation about fear or politics or anything like that went into the conversation. None yeah. of it. It's 100% driven the conversation was almost 100% driven by what is the best thing we can do for the community surrounding us? Uh, what are healthcare people asking people to do? The healthcare people I know, the nurses, the doctors, they're asking people to be considerate of the, of the hospital situation. And so Barry's mm -hmm. right as, as, as the body of Christ, like the, 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 the conversation just amounted to what is the best thing we can do for our, the, our surrounding community and our congregation. And the, the, intersection of that is let's be let's be as conservative as possible with the situation so that we can best care for people just people in general yeah and so i have 100% empathy for the folks who are reaching out to say you know i i miss gathering in person with my church i miss my church like i i feel that way my family and i have not been back to a physical in person service yet like we haven't done it as a family i've been there but we've not been back as a, as a family uh this year 
since COVID started. And so I, I'm, I'm part of the, the group that's like, I miss my church. I miss, I miss that. And so I have a hundred percent empathy with that. What I don't love is, uh, feeling like, uh, some people think that we made a political decision or we're responding in fear or yeah. we're not, we're being like wimps about something or, and I, I can tell you that is, that is, that wasn't part of our conversation at all. So, um, I'm proud yeah. of our church for, for, for acknowledging that as the body of Christ, we ought to lead other organizations, other people, um, people in general of how to, how to, how to best care for one another. And in a year where Barry, you know, you transition to leadership and it's like, uh, self-giving love. That's the, that's the, that's the motto of the year. That's the thing. That is yeah. the, the essence of grace church this year. Uh, you didn't, you didn't want to come lead a church and miss Easter and your first Christmas. Like that's, <laughs> that's not something we want to do. We don't want to yeah. do that. Um, right. so I have a hundred percent empathy and I miss, I miss gathering in person in my church, but I just think that I think we made the right decision to take the best care of our community. That's all. I might have to edit all that out, but the easy decision would have been to stay open um, because we know what we risk every time we make a decision to act in self-giving love and close down. We, we risk losing people. Yeah, yeah. We risk people being so upset that they go elsewhere just because they're, they're upset. We, <laughs> this isn't a popular decision. It's not a popular move. Right. Um, it's a sacrificial move. And that Barry represents everything you stand for. Yeah. Self-giving love. Mm. Yep. No, that's good. So that's, that's the current state of things. Uh, we're going to remain virtual. We're going to actually, we're working right now pretty hard Monday morning, right after, <laughs> right after services, we're working really hard to, to come up with creative ideas on how people can still gather in smaller groups to participate in services. And December is going to be different anyways, because, uh, of all the work we've been putting in Marin, you're, you're, very familiar with all the work we're putting in for services mm -hmm. uh, and what that's going to look like that experience. And so Tyler, um, can we, can we take a second and just give people a, a little sneak peek of kind of the, the types of things to be expecting in December? Cause I, yeah, I go for it. We've talked about you guys it, but both I don't have done it. Yeah. I mean like Marin, what, what, like don't have to give any, don't give any spoilers, but like what's going to be different with the worship experience? <laughs> if any. How can I answer that question without, without giving any spoilers? Any spoilers? Well, okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> Well, you can Why say this. Your guys are not recording the video in correct. the sanctuary. It's Why don't else. we start, Barry, since this was your brainchild? <laughs> uh -huh. Why don't we start with the really the directions we were given from you? You, yeah. I don't want to steal your thunder, but you had said that up until this point, we have always taken what we've done live in a room yeah. and adapted it for our online audience. Mm -hmm. But we're going to flip the script for the people online. Yeah. This was something I ex explained to people yesterday. We were not planning to shut down the church in, de right. in December. And I really don't even like using the words shut down because we're not right. shut down. not shutting down. down. No, yeah. we're like Tyler said, we're coming up with creative ideas to still be able to host smaller gatherings. We just can't gather in large numbers in the yeah. same room. It's very simple. So we weren't planning on suspending our in-person services in the month of December, but we were all along planning on creating something very unique, tailored to the online audience. Mm -hmm. Many and of whom you said for in person and was, then adapting it for plan. in person. Right. Yeah. Right. And many of whom you said are, are 
are compromised or more at risk. And so we were doing this really as a gift to those people who have not been able to come back and join us. So we've been working hard on this for months, Mm -hmm. for months Mm -hmm. behind the scenes, um, keeping all the plates spinning and keeping the keeping everything in motion at the campus level, um, but also um, trying to bring to life this um, special, very unique uh, online worship experience for the month of December. Yeah. So I'll let, I'll let, I'll let you guys surprise everybody with worship. (laughs) I'm actually, I don't even know what to expect. I'm kind of pumped about it. Um, I'll just say with the sermons, they're not going to be us behind a podium talking. It's they're pre-recorded. They're on different, in different locales. Uh, They are, they're there. It's an experiment. They're done very creatively. They may be a total Mm -hmm. bomb, but uh, I will say this, Tim Ayers' message on the third week of December will be, the most memorable <laughs> talked about message of his probably entire ministry career, <laughs> even if it's wait. no good and it doesn't work, people will be talking about it for I'm a really so long time. I'm so excited. I can't wait. I can't wait. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's the time. It's the time to try something different and, yeah. and take risks, especially yeah. for those that are online. And you too, I think know online content better than I do. I watch a couple of cooking videos every nonsense. now and then, but <laughs> that's nonsense. <laughs> You're very tech You got a new TV. <laughs> the, the cables are hidden. It's all good. Um, all right. <laughs> thanks for thanks for indulging me on all that. Yeah. I want to jump into the sermon. We're in week two of our current sermon series called Outrageous. And uh, <laughs> you got there. <laughs> last week I was like, it's one word. How can I forget? And I <laughs> almost forgot. Um, week two, and Mary, you gave the message from home, as we said, and uh, focusing on a pretty easy topic, yeah, uh, pretty right. uh, irrelevant topic of uh, loving our enemies. Yeah. So um, you focused your message on Luke chapter six, mostly verses 27 through 36. And uh, do you mind just kind of giving us a, a recap or a big idea of what you had to share with us last weekend? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and I, I mean, I pointed out the fact this is probably of all the teachings of Jesus, this is probably the easiest one for us to just be like, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to yeah. do that one because it just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. It's very, very countercultural. And if you really think about it, it's extremely hard to, to put into practice. So, uh, basically, yeah, I, I talked about, um, his, his teachings about loving your enemies. He talks about turning the other cheek. He talks about blessing those who curse you and and all that. So I talked a little bit about what enemies are, uh, at least what, what, how I would define them based on what Jesus is saying. And I, I came up with the definition that an enemy is someone who is standing in the way of your well-being. And that could mean a whole bunch of different things, but, um, to the people that Jesus was talking to, it would, could have been any, anything from people trying to steal your land to the Roman occupiers to, uh, just all, all kinds of things. And, um, and yet he is calling us, his followers to love our enemies. And the, the sort of big, point that I was trying to get across is that if we, like, as he says, if we just love those who are easy to love, the people who love us back, or we just care for those who are going to care for us, like what, what, why should we get any credit for that? Because that is exactly what everybody else does. That's the status quo. And as I argued, the status quo, if you look around at our world is brokenness and hatred and violence. And so the status quo can't be what we put our energy into. We've got to go beyond that. And I'm arguing that as, as Jesus is saying, love your enemies, that love is stronger than hate, that, that, you know, hate is 
contagious, but love is irresistible. So we have to think about the fact that uh, Jesus is inviting us to actually reverse the flow of hostility and to upend the status quo because that's what actually brings healing to our world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we are called to love our enemies just as much as the people first hearing Jesus say this were called to love their enemies. And ultimately what it does is it brings healing to our world, but it requires sacrifice on our part because it means setting aside our own agendas, our own, sometimes even our own dignity. Uh, it's maybe even embarrassing or risky, but, but, but I believe that we are called to love our enemies well. And by doing that, we can bring healing to this world and uh, reverse the flow of hate. Yeah. So um, like you said, you defined enemies as someone who is standing in the way of your well being. and Jesus. I mean, the reason we're calling this Marin's probably got the, subtitle memorized again. (laughs) The reason we're calling this series outrageous is because these, these are words Jesus is saying to his disciples, to, to people listening to him on these sermons. And is this, this is a sermon on the plane. Well, yeah, I I hope I didn't. I had so far. I don't think I've seen any angry emails about that, but technically, yeah, sermon somewhere. It's from Luke, a different sermon, but it's the same teaching just more fleshed out in Luke than it is in Matthew five. And, uh, you know, he, he says directly, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who hurt you. Mm. Um, and so you're right. This is a, this is a hard, this is a hard one to swallow. This is a hard sermon to swallow because it's, it's, it, if you're, if you're going to choose to wrestle with it, like you said, it's easy to just choose not to wrestle with it. But if you're going to choose to wrestle with it, you have to automatically, you have to start picturing who do I consider an enemy? Yeah. Who who do I consider someone who's standing in the way of my well being? Um, because back then you gave you made it pretty clear like it's it's obvious to people standing on the mount or the plane or wherever they're listening to this yeah. to have a vivid image of who their enemies were. Whether it's someone stealing stuff from them, um, tax collectors, or people like performing crucifixions like that. Right. There 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 are clear pictures of who enemies are. And today for some of us, it's just as vivid. Uh, but for others like, like me, um, I have, I had trouble like putting a face to who my enemy is. Who is my enemy? Who's getting in my way? And that's a whole other conversation about who I am and where I live and all that kind of stuff. But I want to know, I want to know who your enemies are. Like, I, well, I don't want to know like specific <laughs> names. You can tell me that <laughs> after the show. I want to go get them. Uh, but I want to, I want to know who do you, who do you guys consider enemies? Like for me, for me, I, I came to the conclusion, like it's easy for me to make everything a zero sum game. Like if I pick, if I can, if I imagine somebody's winning at something, I automatically interpret that as me losing at something. And so therefore they are an enemy. And anytime I catch myself like in that mindset, I determine that person is my enemy. They're standing mm-hmm. in my way. And when in reality, that's just not the case at all. But I, that's when I that's when I find myself sinning, I guess, or judging or hating other people is is when I when I feel like I'm losing at something to someone else's gain. I don't know. But hmm. if you guys had to think about as you guys were wrestling with this, like who are the people or the groups of people in your life that you're like, these are the people that stand in my way or stand in our way. Yeah. I think as I consider that Tyler, 
it's easy to say, okay, I don't have any enemies because, you know, I know I'm supposed to love everyone and, you know, love others as Jesus has loved me. So I, yeah. I can't just keep a list of enemies. I think it helps me to take a more um, objective and realistic look at my life when I think about who are the people that annoy me. It's less. Uh, well, that list is long for me. <laughs> it's less aggressive of a word, right? I might not think yeah. of that person as my enemy, but I. It helps me to recognize my heart towards either that individual or that group of people. Um, why yeah. do I find them annoying? How do I treat them because I find them annoying? Um, am I moving towards them in love? Um, and so if I start to really be honest with myself, then I start to identify, you know, the people that I need to, as Barry said, compliment or buy gifts for. Yeah. <laughs> so like the guy, the guy that next week on Thursday is like doing a three mile run in my neighborhood right before he like carbo loads turkey. Like that guy annoys me. Why? <laughs> Why? Why does he because, stand in like, the way what, of what your well being? What, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to prove? What are, he's, what, he's standing in the way of to, your we're own self-image. Pig out. And Tyler, doesn't gotta, that have way more to do with you than it has anything to do with that guy maybe, who's maybe doing something good? Maybe you are your own worst enemy, Tyler. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That could be. Uh, so is that what you mean by annoyed? Because I, I have a long list of people. Like, that guy annoys me. If you're that guy, I don't want you running down my street. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have I to think, look at you before yeah. I pig out on smoked turkey. I, there is, there are, I mean, more one on like a more of a small scale way and one kind of a bigger issue, but the, the smaller scale enemies that I find myself, uh, that first little bit where I talked about being outraged, uh, you know, this being slapped on one cheek, the thing that for whatever reason that drives me up the wall and makes my face hot is when, and when somebody, um, says something about me that isn't true or specifically they, they, uh, label a motivation to something that I've done or am doing mm. that isn't true for whatever reason that drives when does that me. happen to you. That never happens to you. Right. You're a pastor. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. But I uh, used to, yeah, no, it, it happens. But, but I mean, I'll even give you like the most, the best example there was, I was, I mean, this is years ago. We're talking like 15 years ago. I was playing some computer game online and I was doing really well, having a great, great round. I was like winning big time. And one of the other people, probably some like 13 year old and his mom's going to be awesome, you know, whatever text, like wrote on the chat, Wombat Slayer. That was my name. Wombat Slayer still is Uh Wombat Slayer is cheating. You're a grown up boy. And I was like, no, I'm just doing really well. And I found myself getting so <laughs> outraged. I was like, how could you say yes. that about me? I'm not cheating. No, this yeah. is a really great round. And I found myself fuming for like hours after that. And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> Why am I so upset? So I did not compliment him back. How is that say, hey, any you're Marin, doing great? How is that any different than the guy running on Thanksgiving? <laughs> You're right. It's, it's exactly the same, but anyway, so that's like, but all that to say, that's the tiny example, but anytime someone, you know, assumes something about me, that's not true or, or says, Oh, you did that because you're just selfish. Or, and I'm just like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Ah. And I just mm -hmm. like drives me crazy. I, I feel outraged. The, the third sort of practical thing I gave was talking about bigger groups of people. And mm -hmm. I will say there's one group of people, um, you know, without getting into specifics, but there's, there a category of people who, um, 
very boldly and loudly misrepresent the gospel of Christ or, or misrepresent Christianity. And by doing so widen the credibility gap that there are groups of people who are so vocal in what they believe to be true about Jesus or what they believe to be true about being a Christian that I consider I don't agree with them. And I consider them to be actually widening the gap for other people to want Mm. to be, to know Jesus. And that, that group, those types of people, and there are people on different political sides who do that, but, but those groups of people, I find myself really resenting because it's like, I feel like I'm giving my life to this particular ministry. And I know there are some people that I would love to reach with the gospel who don't want anything to do with somebody who's got the title pastor who doesn't don't want anything to do with with an organization that's got the word church in it and so because of what they've seen from other people who claim to follow jesus and so that's the one group of people that i will find myself thinking of as standing in the way maybe not of my well-being but in the well-being of of my ministry i find that i find them to be enemies if i'm really honest uh because Mm. they seem to be standing in the way of what i'm giving my life to yeah, I get that. Okay, so Jesus is getting at each transition. Jesus is getting at uh, the status quo and how it's easy to love those who love us. Yeah, um, I get that. I see that in my own life. I love people in my bubble that think like I do, behave like I do. It's also easy to begin to believe that I'm not doing anything wrong and that God's blessing me when I have like this comfort zone of people that love me and I love them. But then this is what I, this is what I did while I was listening to your sermon. I was like, all right, it's easy for me to believe that the people that love me and I love them. And that's like my, my group of people. It's easy for me to, to think about how, um, that is a blessing. But as I remember last week's sermon, what is what actually is, what is a blessing? And yes, the people in my life are a blessing. But if I think back to last week about what blessing means, then the fact that I'm in this bubble of like-minded people whom I love, but I don't love people outside of that bubble, I'm missing the uh, potential blessing that God actually has for me if I'm not paying attention to, like last weekend, we talked about the Beatitudes. Like if I'm not mm-hmm. paying attention to that kind of stuff, yeah, um, I'm missing out. I'm missing out on, on potential blessings. So, um, yeah, I I don't know. Do you guys feel like you have built a life where it's like people that you love and love you, or is it hard? Is it hard for you to step outside of that to love other people? Or is it kind of natural for you guys? It's, I I think as humans, it's not necessarily going to feel natural, especially initially. It's it yeah. like Barry said, these are upside down feelings. You don't want to bless the person who causes you to feel outrage. Um, that's that's not normal. Um, that's not easy. Um, so I would say it's got to be difficult for everybody. Um, but Tyler, talking about the, the Beatitudes and what we discussed in last week's podcast, I think I'm just more and more realizing that the blessing is where Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm grieving, Jesus is with me. And I am blessed and I'm getting closer to the holiday seasons and I'm doing a lot of grieving and he's with me and and therefore I'm blessed when I'm with my family and the people who love me, he's with me. 
and I'm blessed. Hmm. But Jesus might be standing next to that person I consider an enemy and beckoning me to draw near to him by loving that enemy. Jesus is there and I will be blessed if I pursue Jesus by pursuing this mandate to love my enemies that's believe god that's more and more with, <laughs> thank you i think you just shared joey um i could hear it in the distance we, can, we can't hear those audio clips anymore but tyler has full control no it, jesus is the beginning middle and end right it's all it's all jesus so it's not even like man love my enemies because i'm gonna feel so much better about myself when i do right it's, it's not about me. If I'm truly pursuing Jesus, I will pursue him in the comfort of, you know, a happy holiday time with my family that I'm close to and love. And I will pursue him um, in these difficult times when I'm scrolling through any kind of social media platform and see something that immediately causes me to feel that redness in my face, that mm-hmm. anger arising, that heat arising. Um, yeah seeking Jesus in those moments. Hmm. Yeah. Well, Tyler, you, I mean, you talked about the bubble, I think getting, getting kind of to the whole idea of why we're do why we're called to do this in the first place. I, I think you could, you could debate whether or not we're even supposed to have a bubble, but I think the objective for us as followers of Jesus is to grow that bubble bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where suddenly there isn't anyone outside of the bubble. The bubble is everyone where everyone is, is, is worthy of your love and receiving your love. And if we all did that, then suddenly there isn't, there isn't violence. There isn't abuse. There isn't hatred. There isn't, you know, all the brokenness of our world goes away when, when we meet each other in a place of love. The only way we can do that though, is if, is if we make the choice to love those who don't love us Mm. and, and it's, that's where the courage comes in and the boldness and the possibility that it won't be reciprocated. I mean, Mm -hmm. Jesus never says love your enemy and then they'll, they'll, they'll come around and they'll apologize for slapping you. He doesn't say that. He just says, Hey, turn the other cheek. And my assumption is regardless, it will create momentum towards healing, but it doesn't necessarily guarantee that it's going to get there. So it is a bold act for us to move into that. But um, I think, the Jew and Gentile thing, I I hinted at that. I mean, is sort of the ultimate story of how enemies become brothers in the light of the love of Jesus. And the ultimate Mm. vision is that we would all be in that one bubble together. I love what you said about Matthew and Peter and how they couldn't have come from more different walks of life and how in the natural world, they would have been enemies. Natural born enemies. What does, yeah. I mean, Matthew would have been squeezing Peter for like extra tax money. Matthew would have been abusing Peter, but God takes these two individuals from polar opposite ends of the spectrum and brings them together and makes them brothers by his love and for his cause. Like, again, it's, it's Jesus. I just, I keep wanting to keep him central because so many of our listeners and so many of our, our congregants, that's what we say we have in common, right? We're followers of Christ. We're followers mm-hmm. of Jesus. And yeah. Tyler, you asked a, you made a comment about the, you know, the subtext of our series title or whatever. Uh-huh. And the, all you need to remember is the part about these being Jesus's words. Yeah. It's something about from the mouth of Jesus. And 
I just keep wanting to bring it back to that, that reality, the centrality of Jesus, the one we all say we love and follow and these being his words. Yeah. 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 And, and the reality is he is the most extreme example of, of his own teachings. Like he's, he's the ultimate in all of the things that he taught us. He went to the cross for his enemies, for people who, who were actively opposed to him, humanity. He went to the cross for them. And even as he's being executed, he's praying to God to forgive his executors because uh, his executioner, excuse me, because they don't know what they're doing. He says, so it's like, it's this, it's this, he's a profound. And so we write it off and think, well, I'm not Jesus, but he's the ultimate and we should be moving towards that as, as his disciples. Is it, uh, uh not controversial to say that we're enemies of God? Hmm. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Is that controversial? Cause when you I, said it, I was like, Hey, wait a minute. I'm not an enemy of God. Well, but you said it, but, and I was like, as I think about it, I'm like, well, yeah, that makes sense. But when you I think said it, I was like, it's kind of, I mean, you'd, talking you'd hear that language a lot more in like the, the fire and brimstone preaching of the <laughs> 1800s or stuff, you know, we are, we are, uh, but at the same time, I mean, if you just define enemies as standing in the way of another's yeah. intentions, then yeah, we are all his enemies because we are all undoing the work that he's trying to accomplish in the world. Um, I was, so, so I was thinking about that and I was like, Okay, I've been a dad for three years, and as recently as yesterday, sermon day, church day, yeah, <laughs> my child, who I love, whom I love very much, told me that he didn't like me. Oh. It happens all the time. Oh. Happens all the time. Don't don't feel bad Man, for old Tyler. It happens it's all sad the time. That that's how Lane is starting to talk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tells me First that I'm words. mean. I think Just my wife texted me. Yeah, my wife texted me today saying that he told her I don't like mommy, I like daddy, but when I'm there he doesn't like dad. Like he hey, so playing both sides. This is what you're doing. This is what you're doing when you're a dad or when you're a parent. Yeah. When I ask him to obey or be thankful, it's like hit or miss. Sometimes he deliberately goes the other way and is not thankful at all. Yeah. <clears throat> um and my intentions as his dad are to protect him, to keep him safe, to show the difference between right and wrong, uh, teach him about selflessness, compassion, love, all these things. And he stands in the way of my intentions when he's mm. just like screaming into my face and literally screaming, or he like goes pee pee on the floor or something, you know, like Milo, <laughs> yeah. go in the potty. No. And he goes on the floor. Like, <laughs> uh, and so, I get like, as you're saying, we are the enemies of God. We're not standing in, in the way of him, um, of his well being, but we're standing in the way of his intentions. Like I have a, I have a picture of what that feels like as yeah. a dad. It's probably nothing, nothing remotely the same, but I have a picture of what that feels like that. I just want, I want you to love, <laughs> I want you to get it so bad, but you're just like standing in the way of my intentions. Hmm. I don't know if Marin, do you, have you felt that with your kids? All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned each one to his own way and the Lord hath laid upon himself New the iniquity of us all. I think I learned that when so I was no? maybe in fourth grade, fifth grade. I don't know. But that's what I picture. I, I picture all of mankind like being like Milo at, at one yeah, point or another too, yeah. and going astray and choosing to pee on the floor. All of mankind. <laughs> 
<laughs> and That's yet it. the Lord has taken all of our sins upon himself. And yeah. I don't know. I love hearing your stories of young fatherhood because, you know, me and Jed, it makes are, you feel so much better me and Jed than, are way yeah. further down the yeah. road. But it's I don't know. It's just such a common um way for us to better understand the nature of God, the father, as we see the behavior in these children. Um, actually I got to go visit uh, little Jay this weekend. Oh, so that cool. was super cool. And yeah, just all the experiences we've had, um, with the kids in our lives over the years, um, <laughs> gives me such a richer understanding of the patience of God, the father, mm. the patience, both my kids are learning to drive. Oh Lord, the patience of God, the father, the hand of protection and guidance and providence. God, the yeah. father is revealing uh, himself to me. Go ahead. New King James, the driving experience. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Barry, you said love and hate are not equal in power. Yes. Can you expand on that a little bit? What do you mean by that? Uh, I guess what I mean is, it's like, it's kind of hard to, to, this is the way I think about it. You know, like the difference between like a linear and an exponential uh, curve where, you know, if you were to look at a chart and one, uh, you know, one curve goes up by one every time, one, two, three, four, and it kind of slowly uh, angles up, but an exponential one, it's like it multiplies itself every time mm -hmm. and the exponential one goes way higher. Somehow I feel like love and hate are like that where hate grows and builds and it, it spreads, but love spreads exponentially and it actually overwhelms and overpowers hate. And I just feel like that's, it's like almost like one of Newton's laws of the universe. <laughs> I, I just, and I could be, I could be wrong, but that's kind of the way I, I think of it where it's like Jesus came to show us that there is a better way. Uh, the ways, the currency of hatred and oppression and domination and all of that, uh, it, it grows linearly, but the, the currency of love and selflessness, it grows exponentially and it actually changes things. And I, part of the reason I think of it in those terms is because when I traveled, this actually goes back to my world next door days. I, I would see the effects of so much hatred in our world mm -hmm. and so much brokenness and just, you know, desolate lives and poverty and hunger and, um, sexual exploitation of minors. And like ev everywhere I went, it was like, the world revealed itself to be even more despicable than I thought it was before. You know, it's like mm. it was, it, but what I also saw along with that was the power of love, especially love through the church uh, being expressed to bring healing to lives where suddenly one act of hatred was overwhelmed by an act of love, which led to unimaginably beautiful outcomes and circumstances and wonderful things being brought out of terrible situations. And it, it people used to ask me why, and I've, I've probably mentioned this before, but people used, used to ask me like, how am I not just completely despairing having traveled when I was traveling all the time? And I said, the answer, it really boils down to the fact that my, my hope in, in what God is doing through the church far outweighs 
the despair that I feel. It's like mm. every time I go a place, I see, I see awful things, but I see the love of Jesus being expressed in a way that, that totally overwhelms the hate. And so, um, that's kind of how I, that when I, when I'm talking about love, overwhelming hate or being stronger than hate, that's what I mean. Um, mm-hmm. and I could give you a thousand like specific examples, but, uh, that's kind of what I'm thinking, how I'm thinking of it. Whenever the love of Jesus comes up against brokenness or hatred or pain, it just seems to, the, the whole situation seems to come away healed um, in, in some way that we didn't expect, but that's the power mm-hmm. that love has. And I don't just mean it in like a cheesy, you know, romance kind of love. I'm talking about agape love, the love of Christ. That is more powerful than any brokenness or hatred that we could throw at it. Hmm. It's like the Grinch. Cause his heart grew three sizes bigger. You mean <laughs> think about it. This, this guy hated Christmas. He yes. hated people that celebrated Christmas. He hated it. And the thing that helped him was somebody Cindy looking, in the, Cindy looking in the face of that hatred and loving him anyways. Honestly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, 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 it's exactly, exactly that. like that. Yeah. It is that. I just thought of that. I should and be what a I mean is I don't mean that the Grinch <laughs> carries truth that we should then apply to scripture. What I think <laughs> is the other way around is that what Jesus is talking about is, yeah, yeah, is yeah. illustrated in that Christmas yeah, story. Right, it's so yeah. funny though, because I was thinking about that as I was listening to your message about how many like cinematic illustrations we mm-hmm. have seen of this very thing, like Gandalf laying himself down, you know, to save the rest of the Aaron. fellowship. It's my son. It's all my you son. Um, or, or I was thinking of, uh, what was it? Lame is mm-hmm. when, um, the the guy steals the candlesticks or something and then yeah. the priest you know just shows him this unmerited mercy and love and yeah. it totally changes, changes his, his life, life. like Absolutely. that's the moment his life changes why do we keep seeing these illustrations in different depictions and movies throughout the years because it's it's an age old truth that yeah. love is more powerful than hatred yeah mm. The problem is so hard. Yeah, that was what I was going to say. The problem is I think <laughs> love is more powerful than hatred, but hatred is way easier to mm-hmm. express. It's so much easier to express. It's it's and the whole world is built on making it easy for us to express hatred. So, um, yeah, and, think, and instantly gratifying. I totally. think that's the other problem with it. It's like I <laughs> I I had a moment in this last week um where someone said something really hurtful to me and my first instinct was not to compliment them or, or buy them a gift. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I, I, I'm very quick witted and I can think of about 25 different things to say that would have made me feel so good yep. in the moment. But it's like, I am trying to, you, to continue to choose the path of love because it isn't a one-time thing. Cause those, those things will continue to happen. Right. Um, and if I can make the right choice as often as I can, moment by moment and um, incident by incident or whatever, um, it will change my heart and the way that I respond yeah. um, to people. But I also think, I also think, I mean, this is a part of, we talk about sanctification. This is a part of becoming like Christ as we mm. practice this. It's like practicing anything. You get better at it and, and it becomes more natural to you. It becomes more, uh, it becomes easier to do, uh, to, to respond in this way. You know, it, of course it's, you can't just pick up a violin and be awesome the first time you do it. You've got to, it's a long, 
slog mm-hmm. to learn how to play the violin, but the more you practice, the more likely you are to be able to play beautifully. And, um, I, I, right. I we've, we've, I mean, we're all what mid to late thirties now. I, it's interesting. It, it keeps coming up in the podcast, but I, for me, some, sometimes I find myself thinking about who do I want to be when I'm in my eighties and I want to mm. be a person in my eighties who is so used to Crotchety. responding What's that? Crotchety. Crotchety. No, exactly the opposite. I want to be someone who is so used to responding in love to any circumstance that people- I really, I'm sorry, Barry. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No. I really hope I still know you guys when I'm 80 because I can only imagine the difference between 80-year-old Tyler and 80-year-old Barry. (laughs) I'm just writing that story in my head right now. No, I, Sorry, yeah, I am sure we'll both be deeply wonderful, <laughs> generous people who are loving and <laughs> compassionate, but you know what I'm saying? I want it like, yeah. I want that to be so characteristic in my life. And I don't think it is yet. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm working on it, but I want that to be so characteristic in my life that when people see me, they don't see me. They just see Jesus, you know, that, and I think we all want that. That's what we want to be. And so, um, this is a part yeah. of it. This is one of those things where it's like, I'm not great at it yet, but I want to, I want to get better. I want to practice it. So to practice it, you gave three practical ways we can practice uh, loving our enemies. Yeah. One compliment people who are coming for you, basically. Making making us feel outraged, which could be anything from, you know, a bigger issue to something small or someone just like does something inconsiderate in the grocery store or something like that. Yeah. See, my personality, this speaks to what Marin just said. When you said that, <laughs> the first thing I thought of was like, if somebody's like hating on me, mm-hmm. my, my, is, does, does a compliment, does this count as a compliment? You are really excellent at hating me. <laughs> wow. I don't know if that's a compliment. <laughs> that is, I don't know if that's wow. exactly what I had in mind. Cause that's what I first thought of. Like, all right. Yeah, I could do that. I could compliment the person that's coming after me and just acknowledge that they're really good at it. Why does that sound like something Milo would say? <laughs> you are really excellent at punishing me, dad. And I don't feel yeah. bad about that. I don't <laughs> I feel bad about that. Uh, I'm not in a bad mood about oh, that's it. That's what it is. I don't, I'm not in a bad mood about that. Yeah. <laughs> but these, these practical things are very hard. Like they're very, yes. like you said, they're embarrassing. To some yeah. degree, it's like yeah. if somebody is really upset with me or hating me, it's really hard to think of myself being like, you have beautiful hair today or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> or even I just have to say somebody, a, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Somebody com- complimented me this morning in a meeting and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> hold on do you hate me did i just wait, make wait you outraged <laughs> yeah am i in the way of your well-being hold on uh number two is act in love when they act in hate mm-hmm. which could be buying them gifts or taking yeah. some kind of loving action yeah yeah or I, i'm just i keep thinking about thanksgiving mm. you know Many of us will be surrounded by family, maybe not as many as usual because of the pandemic and all that stuff. But there are people in my family that are easier to get along with than others. Yeah. And so maybe maybe the simplest thing I can do to move towards love, to move towards them in love 
would be to do some sort of act of self-sacrificing love, self-giving love, such Mm. as not coming back with a quick remark or a quick retort to something they say that makes me angry yeah, or that I immediately disagree with. Maybe I don't need to fire back right away. That would be self-giving love. That's the zero sum (laughs) game that I, I need help with. Is your uncle the guy who jogs down the street in front of your house? Like you better right not be. That's all I'm saying. Dinner? <laughs> <laughs> He's not welcome. <laughs> Maybe you buy that guy a sports drink and bless Maybe him. You need to be out there run. with a cup of water to, yeah. to cheer him on. Get out there yeah, with those cowbells. Grace Church T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that that is that is man. I wish what we should have done. Well, never mind. <laughs> that's that's hard. That's that's hard. That's yes. that's like really easy for us to sit here and be like, yeah, you guys, everybody, we should all do this. But that's mm-hmm. that's really hard. And Thanksgiving is a perfect perfect example perfect example of that. It's like, yeah. how do you how do you just show the amount of restraint necessary? Not restraining yourself from um, not engaging. But just like go the complete opposite way, not yeah. just mm-hmm. not just not engaging, but loving them, loving them, giving up your need to be right all the time. Right. Yeah. Right. And and, and I, loving you know them where they are. This just this just came to me. But one thing you could do, especially at Thanksgiving, usually for me, if there's someone who's really annoying, not not my family, we actually got lucky. We're all we all love each other and don't have any like of that kind of animosity, really. But but in general, if there's someone who's like really like frustrating. The last thing I want to do is find out more about what they think or more about what they're <laughs> interested in or whatever. I'll just be like, I'll just get this conversation over with and move on. So maybe an act of love is simply to ask them more questions about what they think about things and ask them about they, what movies have they seen recently that they liked and actually try to have a conversation with them, even if they're the last person that you want to be talking to. Yep. And if all else fails, just pay them a compliment. Oof. You know that, that stuffing you made. Whew. Wow. It so really good. stuffed. Uh, <laughs> uh, the third thing is praying for them. So this yeah. one yeah. is easier for me personally. Like that's the easiest out of the three. Like, cause I, I kind of already do that. Um, if I do that with Milo, <laughs> each, <laughs> not, no, I don't pray for him, but like uh, each night I put him to bed, we pray and I, yeah. I, think about moments that he was like upset or angry. And I, you know, we pray about times that he was, he was mad or hateful or something. And that, um, whatever those things were, we pray for those things that they would stop making us upset. Anyways, Mm -hmm. um, when I think of people that annoy me or people that are in my way, um, that's like step one. That's like the first step I could take Mm -hmm. because it, it's not hard to pray for people. It shouldn't be. Um, I, I do want, generally I want what's best for them. And that should be like, for me, that's my step one. I need to think about praying for those people, like the, the compliments stuff. Hopefully that'll come after, you know, engaging with Jesus and God about those people on a regular basis. Hopefully it'll, uh, complimenting them and loving them will, will be easier for me if I'm already in prayer over them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's the hard part for me is like, it's easy for me to pray like 
God, would you talk to them and change their mind? Like that's, that's the easy prayer. The hard prayer is God, would you bless them and make their life Mm -hmm. great? Yeah. Yeah. I don't want that. (laughs) You know, I want them to change their mind or whatever. So that's where hard, that's what's hard for me. You're praying for them. You're not praying for you. Right. Right. About them. Yeah. Um, some people are really good at that and others takes work, but yeah, man, what a, what a relevant sermon. I, I saw, I jumped on the chat a couple times over the weekend and how many people were like, man, this is exactly what I needed to hear this mm. weekend. I, I saw a number of that. So mm. thanks for, thanks for going there, especially in a time where almost everything can be perceived as an enemy yeah. these days. Well, I can't take really much credit at all. I think all the credit goes right to Jesus who taught this in the first place. All I did was just try to try to expand on it just enough to be able to understand it in a modern context. But man, yeah. All right. So uh, where do we go next? What's happening? So next week or this, this coming weekend, I don't, I don't know. We'll see how this, how this fits with everything. Um, Again, we're, we're looking at, at the Sermon on the Mount in light of the kind of cultural moment that we're in. And so I'm going to take us to the Lord's prayer, which is really familiar to many of us. Um, but I want to revisit it and just ask the question of what is it that Jesus is actually teaching as he's teaching his disciples to pray? Um, and I want to give us a a chance even in the message to pray along those lines. And, um, yeah, I think it'll be, it'll be good. It'll be interesting. Um, some of the assumptions that he's making in this prayer are important for us to pay attention to. And so, um, yeah, I think it'll be, it'll be a good chance to continue hearing what Jesus has to say. Stuff about enemies and that too. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. All right. So, uh, are you, are you preaching from your living room again this weekend? Or? I don't know. I'm waiting for this test to come back. Like, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see if I get, if I find out what the uh, results are of my test. If I'm clear, then I'll, I'll pre-record my message from like 146th street and have that be my, my message for the weekend. Okay. All right, guys, that wraps up uh, this week. I know you guys are super busy, so let's get out of here. Marin, will you please send us out? Sure will. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. 